Hey everyone, my name's Christian Schultz. And I'm Jared Hogan. And this is The Good Podcast, where we talk about films, filmmakers, and pretty much whatever the hell we want. So, here's episode one of Good. Well, Jared, here we are. Episode one. It's the beginning. I can hear your voice loud and clear. Can you hear mine? I can. Uh, I'm I'm talking in a radio voice right now because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. How do I sound? You sound very close. But, matter of fact, we're not close. I am in my basement <laughs> in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're... I'm uh, in my bedroom in Fort Worth, Texas where it is freezing cold outside so i'm trying to stay is it really warm it's absolutely cold it's, it's like, like really hot over here it's really? like seven it's like 70 degrees <laughs> um so what is this episode about this you episode know? you know we thought that it'd be nice to uh take this episode to as a as a meet and greet am i yeah. wrong no that's that's good Ming, yeah let's kind of mingle a little bit so we're going to mingle. We're going to kind of let you know who we are and um, I guess why we love films and why we love talking about films, why we love filmmakers. So today we challenged each other to um, to kind of rank like our, our actual favorite movies, like pretty much meaning like none, none of them can be like on Criterion. Or none of them can be. Um, <laughs> Wait, was that the stipulation that they couldn't be on the Criterion? No, I guess that was like. Then a, I need uh, to really like f- change everything then, because I was. I don't think Ninja Turtles is on Criterion. Uh, okay, I for yeah, I thought you meant something else. <laughs> uh, no, that was just a personal stipulation for me. Okay. Um, it is funny. I've got a I've got a pretty good Criterion um, little collection going on. But I'll be honest, I don't like most of them. What do you mean? I, what I mean is, like, I bought them because I wanted to collect some of them. And some of them I, I like academically. But I think it's yeah. kind of what we're talking about today is, like, like as, like, a, a human being. Right. Like, what movies, like, really connected with you. And um, they're, they're not all um, ones that you want to, like, talk about it like you're your dinner party. Right. Like which ones you, you basically have a, you basically have a collection of films that you would show another filmmaker. Um, yeah. And, and I do like some of them. Um, but I seriously though, like, um, there are a lot of movies that I own that I actually don't even like. And I think that's That's interesting. That's not probably not good. I guess it's, uh, I'm trying to, um, manage perception, you know, a little bit. Here's how I collect films, just 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 so you can know who how I do it. I only buy movies at half price books, so they're either a dollar or like two or three dollars, and they usually have someone's initials in them. And are you being uh, for real? Seriously? No, this is totally real. Like if you looked at my collection, it has it's like no Blu-rays. There's no like it's all like we we are very different. Yeah, I mean, I I collect. I collect movies with the idea that like um, movies that I've seen through 
my life that like I have to have in some way. And almost none of them are like, like all the movies that we'll talk about today, I own most of them. And you know, like my favorite movies of all time that we're going to talk about, like I own all of them. Um, but okay, like all well, the- we, we're very different because yeah. I have a large collection of Blu-rays. Right. That I, you and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a dying, um, medium, like nobody is going to care, but I think like it, it honestly, the reason I'm doing it is it honestly might be the last like tangible, like movie medium that we're going to have. You know what I mean? Like at least like on a consumer level. Yeah, for sure. So, but do you, did you not think, do you think that people said that? Like, do you think you would have said that in 1992 when VHS was like the only thing? Well, if, if, um, iTunes existed and we were downloading movies to like rent them, I probably would have said that. But I think like the timing, like the alternative is the alternative is already present. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, let's just jump right into this. So, so we're going to talk about like our, our, um, our actual favorite movie list, which is potentially embarrassing. I don't think it's embarrassing. It just might be a little surprising. Um, then we're going to talk about kind of the year in review really quick. Going to talk about, uh, favorite films from 2015. Okay. So let me just, let's start with you. Let's, we're going to, we're going to ping pong this, right? Yeah. That's the idea. Okay. So, okay. So we're starting with favorite, like real movies, not a 2015, but all time. So number three would be motorcycle diaries. Have you seen motorcycle diaries? I have. Yes. I have a pretty interesting story about the first time that I saw that movie. Okay, tell. It was, uh, I was in Spanish class and I hated Spanish. Like I, I maybe I didn't hate, I don't hate like the language of, you know, like learning the language, but I hated the class. My teacher. Just Spaniards in general. Yeah. I'm not, I'm pretty racist. And, um, but yeah, like I was in the class and, um, super disinterested and my teacher gave me her copy of motorcycle diaries to watch. And, uh, it kind of like very quickly, like, I just like, like, look, like seeing people, like seeing it in that way and seeing like, just like something, it was the first time really that I like got into like foreign films. And like, since then I'm like an extreme fan of, of foreign films, but, um, she kind of just like, said like, Hey, like, don't be an idiot. Just like watch this movie. Maybe it'll be, it will interest you in the class or like something like that. And I watched it and I loved it. And I'm sure you had, uh, not the same experience, but, um, you know, immediate kind of, I I don't remember when I watched it for the first time. I really don't. I, um, I just remember you talk about it being a foreign film. I just remember watching it and not even feeling like, uh, I mean, I'm sure I did it like initially like reading the subtitles or whatever, but, um, it just felt like, so like universal, like yeah. I just, I, I just kind of got, um, roped in so quickly that, yeah, I, di- I didn't feel like there was some kind of like language barrier or disconnect. Um, and it's just shot, it's shot like a documentary. It just feels so true to life that, um, yeah, I just remember being like, so like captured by it. And then, um, I was younger and so I, I would, didn't do any research on like the film before I saw it. I think my brother probably showed it to me or my sister who are both older. And, um, yeah, I didn't know anything about like Che 
or that it like had any kind of like political, um, right. uh, whatever. And so I just remember like watching it as like an amazing story and then kind of like realizing that like there are all these kind of like political implications of like the main character. And I kind of grown to like love him, you know, throughout the movie and like root for him. And then it was like, I don't know, just like, um, kind of beginning to understand like who he was as like an actual like human being and a political figure and how like those two things kind of like contrasted, you know, it was just, um, and the fact that it's like a road movie, you know, like, right. Um, see all those things, all the political stuff that you just mentioned, like I still, I, I, maybe it's been too long since I've seen it, but I had no idea that any of that was in there. So maybe it's it's not, it's not. Well, like the, I mean, you see, you see the, yeah, right. You see the roots of like, um, Oh, that's kind of like, why he feels this way right or why he felt that that way so that that really affected me when i saw it for the first time yeah okay next number three for you so it's kind of interesting that we both picked very similar genres for our number three uh but my number three uh is a film by alfonso Cuaron, uh itu mama tembien have you seen this um i have but probably when i was an adolescent um (laughs) On IFC. <laughs> yeah, I was probably looking for something um, ex- explicit to watch. Right. And- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is very this very similar experience. I'm, I'm sure the first time I saw it was on IFC. The first time I saw it was looking for something like independent and it was sort of sexual and like, you know, like, like you would when you're 11 or 12 years old. Did this kind of start your sexual revolution? <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe, but I think honestly, it, I think it was definitely one of the first films and my brother and I talked about this over, over Christmas break about how, what IFC actually did for us and like the way that it got us into films. And I think, you know, my, my parents and stuff had like, my dad showed me all the Hitchcock movies and, you know, uh, but we were never really allowed to watch movies like uh, we weren't allowed to watch Harry Potter. Like it was that kind of thing. Like we watched Disney movies. I mean, but yeah, but I think, you know, like my parents would like, my dad brought us to see baby geniuses, you know, like it was that type of thing. Like there was no, I think the first film that I saw that like, I wasn't supposed to see was like, um, saving private Ryan, you know? And like seeing like that, I was like super interested in it. And just like, but at the uh, before that, it was like you know, rope and like Sunset Boulevard and stuff like that, which is amazing in its own right. But it didn't have, um, it wasn't an independent spirit of making films. That's which, amazing. That's what your dad got you to watch was Sunset right. Boulevard. And yeah, rope. Dang. and like the Maltese Falcon, and you know all the classics, just like all the all the stuff that you watch in like some type of film review class or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was one of the first films that I saw on IFC. Well, why, why did it why did it make a difference to you? Um, you know, the last time I saw it was maybe last year or something like that. But every single time I watch it, I I see it and I'm like, I want to make not in the uh, sexual nature, but like I want to make movies like that. One, he, Alfonso is an amazing director. And just looking at his career from like gravity to like two moment to end, like he has such a range of yeah. things that he can pull off. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's like a, a note 
in his career that like someone just needs to see. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a road movie. They made it like, you know, he says, we made this movie uh, like we would make it in film school. Very so it was sim- like the, the process. Yeah, that- I mean, I think, but I didn't understand that until like later on and when I like really got into film and like researching that movie and like figuring yeah. out how they made it and stuff like that. But the first impression that I had was just like, um, one, it's it's like uh, it's a foreign film, so it automatically has this like uh, intrigue about it because it's something you don't really understand and you don't see that world when you go outside. You know, like you, you yeah. see it in films. And two, I think it was like the interest of a road movie for some reason, like this idea that these two friends like are like hitting the road with this woman and they're like both trying to like you know like the story is just kind of like. Uh, felt very childlike. Yeah, which and I something, related to. Yeah, and I think like something that you wish, like on some level, that you could experience. Oh yeah, for sure. If I had the chance to experience it <laughs> as a, as a young uh, Mexican boy, I would have <laughs> taken it for sure. I mean, it's actually really kind of bizarre that we would both choose movies yeah. with. Gael Garcia Bernal and Rodriguez de la Serna, like, like both of the main characters, like there's two main characters that are friends right. going on a road trip and we picked. Yeah, this isn't like, planned by the way. It's not. Well, I guess the only, it's only Garcia Bernal is the only, uh, like through line, but still, right. no, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. Um, but I think, you know, like I, you said you didn't know cause, um, you were too young, but I think there's some, even for me, like watching motorcycle diaries for the first time. Um, I think I saw it at a time when it was kind of in my head a little bit that maybe this is what I wanted to do. And to be a filmmaker, you mean? Yeah. To be a filmmaker. And I think it just felt, um, and I don't mean this to its discredit at all, but it just felt like achievable. Oh yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, that's, I think honestly, when you say it like that, that's how I felt about, like it was like man like it does it didn't seem like it had this crazy it was handheld and it felt like some like a like it felt uh like you were just there in the car and in the moment and like you know like exactly what you just said it felt more achievable than than anything else i had seen before all right number two um have you ever seen cold mountain cold mountain is my number two you ever seen I yes, I have seen Cold. Mountain. What did you think? You know, it's one of those films that, like, at the same. Well, it's not. It's not your number two. Um, no, no, no. It's one. Of, it's. Yeah. Let me. What do you like? Why do you love Cold Mountain? I'll answer. I just because it's. Yours. I remember sitting in the theater with my sister. I think it was me and my brother and my sister, and I just remember feeling like this is going to be amazing because I, I, just like the setup was so good. I remember sitting in the theater like mid movie being like, Oh my God, I cannot wait to see like where this thing goes. So if you've never seen it before, I'm not going to like throw any spoilers out there, but, um, Jude law, Nicole Kidman, they have like this one, like kind of romantic exchange right before he goes to war. And, um, it's like this passing kind of fleeting thing. And then he literally like kisses her and then they go and, uh, he's like gets like for real like in line to like walk off to like go to war march off to go to war and um right. he finds himself in the middle of war 
and he is like been battered and bruised, just like almost like on the, on the brink of death. And he decides like, it's worth it for me to go and like track this woman down again that I don't even know if she remembers me or is thinking about me. Um, and so basically it just like, it's like this civil war, um, version of the odyssey. And so, I mean, you can see if you're interested in like that kind of stuff at all, like mythology, it's like very clearly like outlined with like, you know, sirens and like all the elements of like the odyssey, but just like in like an amazing time period. And like the stakes are like really high. And it's like all about, you know, like when you're like, I remember seeing it like when I was in high school and just like those like little passing moments that you would have with like somebody like in like the hallway or like in like next, like a locker or like at a football game or something for some reason, like I was able to like equate that to like this massive story, but I don't know, for some reason it, it connected. And, um, I I don't know. I think like the elements of that story were like so simple, but the emotions like that kind of came along with it, they were able to like derive from like such simple story elements. I don't know that like really affected me. And usually like when there's like a really great setup for a movie, like where you're like, Oh man, this is going to be great. You'll, I mean, at least in my experience, I, I come out being disappointed. Um, yeah. but I remember watching that and all the way through the end, the movie ends. I'm just like, man, that was like a full, like fantastic movie from beginning to end. And it just kind of like yeah. enraptured me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Anthony Mingella. 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 Um, I I mean, my family grew up, or like I remember being shown talented Mr. Ripley from like a very young age, oh, which is freaking directed. amazing. So I felt like when I was watching it, like very, um, like it didn't feel like that. You know, it didn't feel like what I was used to. Like, or like, yeah, that's, I mean, I talked to my dad about this also like over Christmas break, but like how he goes and sees movies is, um, he sees it like he's interested in the content. Like he has, he couldn't, he could care less about the actors that are in it or who, uh, directed it or who wrote it or anything like that. He just cares about what it's about. Like that's what he's interested in. So I see it from the complete opposite where I'm like, I, if a new director's coming out with something like that's why I go see a movie, you know, like I go see it because this person is a creator of good content. That's kind of what I, and so you, you saw it because I saw it because talented Mr. Ripley, you know, like I saw it. Um, and I didn't, it didn't feel like that to me, you know what I mean? So like, um, which is you had expectations that weren't met. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. right. But it's so, it's sort of like a it's kind of shitty of me to say because it because it is a great movie. And I love like the I like the way that he brought in like Jack uh Jack White and like those characters. I mean, and, like, Jack White was terrible. Felt. That was the worst part no, of the but movie. But like the but like the idea of like um like actually bring it felt very true for some reason. Yeah. You know, like when when they brought in music to to sure. the to the film, it was it felt very true. And it like, you know, um but at the same time, it has all your favorite people in it. Dude, I, you know, Nicole like, Kidman in that movie is just the best. And then you got um, right. Ray Zellweger. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Natalie Portman, Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah, dude, you know it's know crazy. I mean? like, it's just like, ugh. So, but at the same time, you know, um, I think that's just how it felt for me was like. What are you saying? Just spit it out. Um, 
I don't need your approval on this movie. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't honestly don't even know. It's one of those movies that I don't feel anything. For. That's crazy. It, I mean, it really is crazy for me. Like when I think about, okay, so just think even about like how the story is constructed, but to be built on like a bed of like tension of like, they don't even know if they remember each other. Yeah. That's amazing. No, I, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And then they go through all of this. Like she's trying to stay alive. Her dad dies. She's trying to like figure out how to survive on her end. He's like, actually going through hell trying to get back all on the hopes that like they might remember each other. That's incredible. Maybe you have like no romantic bone in your body. That's probably what it is. <laughs> no, dude, I, I, if you knew me as a, as a young kid, I was probably the most hopeless romantic, like 12 year old that you would have. I wouldn't call it hopeless like, romantic when you're 12 watching it to a mommy. No, it's, it wasn't like it, but honestly, like every single like girl I was into or like, like because I was an awkward kid and that like, is I was so always, hard for me to imagine. Yeah. I was always sort of the underdog in like, uh, social like settings, you know, but maybe it was because somehow for some reason I always hung out like, like, uh, cool kids would like always accept me. I don't know why. Like, so I was always in a group, but I was never the coolest kid in the group. So like, any girl that came into our group or whatever, like I would just like secretly fall super in love with and like, but they would always end up with one of my friends who like had more money or like drove a car, you know? <laughs> so like, uh, that's just kind of how it was. So like I was, that just, is, that's sad. Uh, and I think, but that's what movies are. It's like showing you experiences that you will never have. And man, way. that sounds so you know sad. I mean, but I th- I think that's why I became like maybe one of the reasons why I became a filmmaker is to like do that for myself. Yeah, no, I I, I, do, I do understand that. Um, okay, so that was my number two. You go ahead, number two. And I'm sorry, but my number two is probably Whiplash. But I think I connect to it on a lot of different levels. And as as a drummer, yeah, like I started playing drums very young age, and um. Even though the drumming in the movie is horrible, like the music is it really horrible? Music, like uh, I've heard the. I mean, I don't really know, but I've heard the opposite that it was actually like. No, Miles Miles Teller is he. uh, Damien did like very good job of like somewhat making it seem believable, but it it's very hard to and maybe to the common viewer like it's it's okay like it works and it's great and that's a good job on Damien's part you know but um like it's pretty, like Miles Teller I'm sure he's a good drummer like he's probably self-taught and like all this stuff but it wasn't anywhere close to what it needed to be but despite that I think um the question that Damien asked through the movie was like something that I've been like thinking about for a long time. And I think a lot of creative people think about it, whether you're doing music or whether you're doing film, which is what, yeah. Uh, like how, how much is too much? Like how much sacrifice is too much for art? Like what's the line? And I think um, I just took that into like my work and I, I, I just like completely related it to my life and like um, 
Like it's what you secretly want to choose as far as like the idea of like a, a, a like a starving artist or like a tortured, you know, a tortured artist in some right. sense, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's the idea of like, um, like it's the, the outcome of the movie is like what you secretly want instead of what you actually do. You know, the end of the film, I guess I'm just curious, it, like without getting into like the specifics of the narrative, like, how does it reflect on like you as an artist? Like I, I want to be able to make that choice in some ways, but I know that I shouldn't. And I know that I can't like to be like completely 100% immersed in something, whether it's film or whatever, but just like be um, like this striving to be the best at something is inevitably, inevitably going to kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so would you um, say it's some kind of like cautionary tale kind of? Yeah, it's like a cautionary tale and it's like a you kind of get to like live it out through Miles character. Through, through Miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I enjoyed that experience and I I enjoyed more than the outcome of the movie, I enjoyed the question. Right. And so I, basically I you if you could you would like be a voracious jazz drummer who went on a road trip with a Mexican woman <laughs> and your friend. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, okay. We're right. going to have to move. Number, we got to move quicker here. That was way too long of a conversation about whiplash. It's not, okay. th- it's not Number that one. good. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a curveball. Okay. Um, because I mean, you know me as like a filmmaker and this is so far removed from anything I would ever make. Um, but man, I've probably seen this movie 40, 50 times. No kidding. Um, Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Have you seen, have you seen this movie? It's been a while, but yes, I have seen it. Boz Lerman as in he made. Oh, Christian. uh, Yes. Moulin Rouge. (laughs) Strictly Ballroom. And did he make a great Gatsby? Great Gatsby. Australia. Let's be honest, though. After Moulin Rouge, it's kind of been a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, okay, but like, tell me honestly, why is this film special to you? Well, I mean, to be totally transparent, I probably haven't watched it in like three years. But there was a time when it was like, yeah, I was just totally entranced by it. And I think you know, like talking about any of these movies, um, they are all great films but it's all about timing. It's, it's all about when you watch these films. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like there are those formative years. I would imagine for most people that lands within like the 16 to like 22 range, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like high school, college age. Um, and I'm sure there's probably like a more like focused age where like you really start to like kind of form, uh, opinions about things or whatever, but I remember being a. I don't, how old were you when you were a freshman in high school? Like sixteen? Fifteen? Um, it would be 14, 14? 14, 14, 15. Yeah, I we were doing like a a Shakespeare study, and um, it was on Romeo and Juliet, and I remember um, just because I was interested in the story, I was like looking for a movie to watch, and I didn't want to watch like the nineteen sixty six version or whatever that was, right? And so I just put this on and, you know, like you can't, you don't get much more angsty than when you're a freshman in high school. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so 
um, yeah, I just started to see like this, like just crazy stuff, like start to like come across the screen and the intro to that movie, man. I don't know if you remember it, but it starts with like this, um, television and this reporter. And there's like this slow kind of like, um, like push in of this television. And then it like goes in, it's like, it's crazy. Like newspaper, like, um, uh, news report montage of like these two different families, the Capulets and the Montagues and just the whole setup in the world they created. I was just like hooked, like from moment number one, I was just like in it. Um, so like aesthetically and visually, I was just like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this before. Um, and then you start to see, um, like this relationship kind of play out between Romeo and Juliet, who's Claire Danes and, um, and, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's just like entrancing. I don't know any other way to put it. Like, I'm sure if I watched it now, it would feel a little corny. I don't really know. Probably not because I'm so like, there's just too too much like nostalgia to like ruin it now for me. Um, but I think something about seeing, um, this impossible relationship because of the family dynamics, uh, something about like, um, you know, having a relationship that like, like beats all the odds, you know, cause the same thing in Cole mountain. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to say. Like, it feels like you have some similarities in your, uh, your top, at least two of your top picks here as far as like the, uh, the love story side. Of yeah. It. Um, so I don't know, man, it just like, and then when you start to see things fall apart and just like the drama that ensues, it's just got everything. It's got everything. And, um, yeah, it's just such like a powerful kind of like, um, uh, I don't know, like revision on that story. Not like, narrative wise, but just like how they tell it, it's, it's so out there and I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's really polarizing. I'm, I'm sure some people absolutely hated it. Um, but for me it was just a, a film where I was just like, Oh my gosh. So like where motorcycle diaries, you know, seemed like achievable. I, this yeah. is like the exact <laughs> yeah. opposite, but, um, I felt like, um, I'm, I mean, when I watch a movie, for, for a movie to make it on this list that we're talking about today, I have to feel like profoundly moved by it, you know, like yeah. emotionally uh, yeah. just like shaken. And I would say for all three of these, I felt that way, but mostly with Romeo and Juliet, just feeling like, I don't know why I couldn't, I don't even know if I could articulate it even like 10, 15 years after I, I've seen it. Uh, it just like struck me and wrecked me. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I could even explain it. Well, let me ask you this. When you watch it, you know, the last time you saw it three years ago, do you watch it with the idea of the first time you watched it? Or do you watch it purely as a film? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you watch it purely and you're like, you feel the same way? I don't watch it academically. I, I don't watch it as a filmmaker being like, how do they do this? I'm sure on some kind of subconscious level, I can't help but do that. Um but, but are you watching it in remembrance of a time when you loved it or we, are you remembering, are you watching it because it makes you feel the same way it did when the first time you watched so it? So it's like when you like, like 
do you remember that time you went to the beach with your family or do you remember the photo at the time that you went to the beach with your family? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah and I think yeah. like, regardless, you still feel like similar, you know? So it's, I don't know if I could like really distinguish the right. two. I'm sure it's probably more of like, I'm watching it, um, remembering how I felt when I used to watch it. Um, and that makes me kind of feel it all over again to some extent. Yeah. So yeah, it's a special movie and, um, it's a weird one, but it really, yeah, it, it kind of defines my, like my, uh, <laughs> uh, how I was in high school, which was very angsty and overly romantic. And, um, which is funny because no girls even like looked my direction for four years, <laughs> right. but that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. Okay. You're number one. My number one, <clears throat> my number one, uh, has to be Wes Anderson's Rushmore. Okay. Much and more acceptable. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely I guess like what I'm saying is much like more obvious. And is I, it? I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Keep going. Talk about Rushmore. Gosh. Why do you love it so much? Um, I, I mean, honestly, because it's so acceptable. Um, I, I love Rushmore. Um, it's very hard to say why you love the movie that you love the most. It's, I don't know. I never it's, it's, thought it's be, so much uh, more than the elements of the story or like it's, it's right. so, it's so much about like the context of when you watch it for the first time and, and that like visceral reaction that you had. Yeah. I remember um, watching it for the first time. I don't remember where I was, where I was particularly. It wasn't in theater. It was, I mean, because it came out so long ago. It, it wasn't in theaters. I would have seen it like um, at a friend's house or something like that. Like a, a friend that like would, you know, he was showing you like all of these independent films, like, um, you know, Warner Herzog stuff and like, weirder stuff that didn't like, you know, pie and like, uh, requiem for stuff like that. Um, and then I remember seeing Rushmore and feeling like it was a perfect film for some reason. And I know like, that's not really pretty much is. Yeah. I don't know if that's like super possible, but I just remember, um, I remember seeing Rushmore and, and honestly feeling like I have never seen a film like this, which I feel like Wes Anderson is continuing to do. Maybe not like continuing to make films that you've never seen before, but continuing to be Wes Anderson, sure. which is why he's so acclaimed or famous or whatever you want to call it. Because like he created the genre of Wes Anderson. And, uh, do you think, do you think that, well, I'll reserve that question. But are there other filmmakers that you think uh, are in the same league as far as like you don't, have, you don't have to see their names on the credits. You know that they made it. Oh, yeah. I think like Tarantino is one of those people. I think Terrence Malick's one of those people. Um, people that like um, from the very get-go somehow figured out exactly how like the space they wanted to inhabit in the film industry. Like what I don't like is that that building up of like past Wes Anderson uh, aesthetics is becoming too much. I feel like the Grand Budapest Hotel was um, like the culmination of like as many Wes Anderson puns, if you will, as you can. 
Um, Did you feel like it was like a, was it a, his best or do you feel like it was like a caricature of himself? I felt like it was a caricature, but I still loved every single second of it. I, I, I mean, I feel like what you said, I would agree with like, um, like the culmination of like his aesthetic coming together. I would say that in a totally positive way. Yeah, I would like, I would definitely not be negative about it. I would definitely say being like uh he made one other film which is called Bottle Cap before that, but Rushmore being his, his Bottle Rocket. Oh. What did I say? Bottle Cap. I said Bottle, bottle Cap like an idiot. Um but I felt like somewhere in between there between Bottle Rocket and uh Rushmore, he like I don't know what it was. Maybe he had more trust with the people that were financing it or something, but just like seriously, this like jumped into the world of Wes Anderson and like the way that he wanted to pace things, the way that he wanted to block things, the way that he wanted, like the character, the type of characters he wanted to talk about were, um, were just incredible to me. Yeah. Like Jason Schwartzman character is everything that you wanted to be in high school. But at the same time, he's complicated and he's complex and like... Wait, he's everything that you wanted to be in high school? Like this ultra creative... Maybe that's why you're a super nerd. <laughs> no, I mean, but just like <laughs> like literally everything uh, as far as like a... Because he was misunderstood and like, but super confident, but also he was a genius when it came to playwriting. And you know what I mean? Like it was this, yeah, sure. this kind of person that you just like wanted to be. And, and this is very a good testament to Wes Anderson allowing my me to like put myself into the story, you know. Yeah. Because when you're watching it, you're like, you're just always replacing your. And I'm sure you're doing the same thing with Romeo and Juliet. Like, what if I was in the story? And that's like the. The. I mean, that's film, man. Right. That's that's, that's like when the film is going right. That's exactly what's happening. And when it's right. going wrong, you're like, man, this doesn't seem believable. Like, I don't want to be here, you know? Right, right. Um, okay, that's good. Now I that's feel it. like they know us. Do you feel like they know yeah. us now? Yeah. In, in, any uh, other movies that almost made your top three list? Um, yeah, I definitely have to say City of God. We, we, we don't have to talk about these, but I would say nope, just uh, City of God is probably number four. Uh, Hunger is probably number five. Man, Hunger. What what are your three? Uh, I've got fives? I've got some kind of strange ones. Um, this is this is I, I wouldn't say it's even influential, but when I saw it, it was that same kind of like visceral reaction when I saw Nosferatu for the first time. You ever seen that? What is it? Nosferatu. It's like the. Oh my, it's I like Max it. Shrek. It's like the original like uh, Dracula movie. Okay. And it is no, terrifying. It. <laughs> it's terrifying. Okay. So look it up. Um, okay. And then this is Number like, five. this is a really strange one. I I have to prep. I've talked about this one a little bit. So, um, you would love, you just, we just said I'm, that we I'm, wouldn't talk about it. I know. I'm sorry. Um, you would love this actually, Christian. I don't even know if it really even fits on this list, but I, I was making it and I, I had to talk about it. Um, the lion's mouth opens. Have you ever seen that before? No. Okay. I have not. So it's this, uh, short documentary on HBO. And, um, but it's this actress who is finding out that she has, um, this like extremely degenerative disease. I don't remember what it's called. Um, but it's pretty much like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's like combined, but it's called the lion's mouth opens. And it's basically like, um, her finding out whether or not she has this disease, dude, it is amazing. So I'm going to have to find a way to get it to you, but the lion's mouth opens. Okay. Now that we know each other, 
a little bit. Um, let's talk about this year. Was it a good year for movies? This was, I feel like this, this year was underrated. I feel, I feel like, like it was a terrible year. When I was putting together this list, I was like, well, I don't even really like any of these. <laughs> You're not serious. I am serious. No. I mean, I like them, but uh, yeah. Last year was an incredible year for movies. You had like 12 Years a Slave, Whiplash, Better uh, movies. Birdman, like all of these. Like, Look, man, I didn't prepare for that. Like, I don't remember. Movies I could, of I could, decade I could look kind of my movies list, came out. But right. I don't feel like this year is bad. It's not bad. I would say like it's actually a really great year for blockbusters. Yeah, but if you're talking about like quantity of movies and like the percentage of uh, good movies that came out of it, I would say that this is a bad year. But if you're just like look, if you look at the the movies that said something this year, the movies that were good, then it's not a bad year. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I I don't think I think it's definitely underrated. Um, I mean, but. Let, uh, Let's just dive in. Let's dive in. Yeah, okay. let's just dive in. Um, you, 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 give me your give me your number five. No, you're gonna give me your number five. Okay, my number five, uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, Alice Garland. He what other movies has he written? This is like directorial debut. What else has he written? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, Alex Garden, uh, Garland also wrote. You know, Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Uh, he wrote Twenty Eight Days Later. Uh, he wrote Dread, which came out in uh, 2012, and now this is his uh, first writer director. Movie, right? Yeah. I saw it twice. I loved it. Yeah. It's amazing. Somehow yeah, both times I saw it, I missed the first scene, like where um he like wins the competition. Like you came in late? Yeah, I've ne- I'm like never late to movies, but I saw it a second time because I was trying to like see the beginning and I was late again. I know, I think he did a very good job of like setting up uh setting up a world that these people live in where you you generally don't need to know any information about it. Yeah, it's true. Which I thought was very impressive. I mean, so, Oscar Isaac has had a good year. Yeah. It's kind of, I'm, um, kind of crazy, actually. I mean, what's your number five? Number five, uh, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Oh, yeah. For sure. So I saw that uh, on a plane, and I was like, I had to kind of restrain myself from crying. Yeah. Not that like that makes the movie great. Well, where, where were you coming from? Um, I was on the way to Scotland. Okay. And so, so you had like seven hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 And so I just, um, when I watched it, I was kind of pissed. Like, like right after I watched it, I was like, what a cheap way to end that movie. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, that's totally appropriate for this movie and that character. And it just all worked. I think I mean, it's definitely one of the movies this year that you need to see. And the, uh, the director of photography also shot Old Boy. If you're interested in that movie, it's like the, the new, like the new Old Boy. No, 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 no. Or no. the old Old Boy. The old, the the best, the the original version of Old Boy. But the new, the new version of Old Boy. Yeah, it was a train wreck, but it was it was shot beautifully by um, Sean Bobbitt. So I don't want to discount him. Okay, my number four is definitely the end of the tour. Yeah, just saw that. Um, and you said that you. I mean, no, no, no. I, you, no, I you liked it. You, it didn't crack my top five, but I, I yeah. really, I really do like that movie. It was incredibly unassuming and yeah, amazing. Yeah. And just like the most interesting uh, conversational movie since, you know, Coffee and Cigarettes, probably. You the know? disparity of performances between Jason Siegel and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, it's, it's not even a competition for sure for me. All right. What's your uh, number four? 
I'm I'm changing these on the fly because I forgot about one. Okay. Um, my number four. Um, I'm gonna say Sicario. Okay. Um, no, it's amazing, man. Um, I'm a. You're gonna have to help me pronounce his name. Villeneuve. 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 Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Man, Villeneuve. I would have never guessed that. Anyway, man, have you seen Incendies? Yes. Dude, uh, that might be I, the best. That might be the best of his films that he's made. Have you seen? Have you gone all the way back to uh, Polytechnic? I have not seen Polytechnic. It's um, it's as like as dark and uh, like um, mysterious as like Prisoners was. Yeah, this definitely beats it by far, and it's one of his first. Uh, directing wait, wait, movies. what beats what? Polytechnic beats as far as like if you if you enjoyed that type of movie, you it know beat, where it, it it beats beats Sicario? prisoners. Oh, beats prisoners. prisoners. Okay, but Sicario is like I feel like it's, it's a it, whole different animal. It's a yeah. whole different movie. I think he'd made it for to be a little bit more accepted, uh, which is why like I loved Sicario. He still it still felt like him. You know, it it did. Like but, when when I saw that first scene play out. I was like, any other director would have done this totally different. Right. But the way like he like consolidated like his shots and it all just felt out it was just amazing the way yeah. he that that first scene played out. Emily Blunt's amazing. Yeah. Um I love her anyway, but yeah. so, so your number three is what? Uh my number three is also Sicario. We're in sync. We're in sync. My number three would be inside out. <laughs> which I feel like you have a, you have a different point of view than I do because you have kids and like, I think well, you enjoy I just think things I'm on like, a different level. Yeah. I, I think I'm probably just more of like, um, I don't know, like a better human being than you. <laughs> I have yeah. feelings. Yeah. Um, I have a heart. I do have children, which does help. Yeah. No, but I, so Winnie, who's my five year old, like loves movies. We go see movies all the time. You know, I'm like seeing my future play out on the screen and, and she's loving it and she's like getting into it and just like that's super watch, interesting. Like watching, your future, yeah, yeah. watching that movie with her sitting next to me, it was an experience for sure. So um, now it's your number two. Yeah. My okay. number, my number two, uh, is definitely Mad Max. My number two, um, is one that you've already talked about too, which would be Ex Machina. Uh, and the implications of it, it's not just like what's happening between the two of them. Like there's technology like in this movie that would like totally turn the world upside down. Yeah. Well, like, you what? Know? give me an example. Like in your well, opinion, the, the robot. Yeah. If he, if, if <clears throat> that, like if he's able to like make that like some kind of consumer item. Yeah. <laughs> it revolutionizes everything. Yeah. In like almost every way. So there's like that like scope to it. Like what they're doing is important, but also like there's like the relational dynamics that come into play and what does it mean to be human? And, um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And Oscar Isaac is just a genius. And like, like we said, Domhnall Gleeson is on a roll too. So those two guys are just at the top of their game. All right. You're number one, my number one. And I think, you know, we talked about a little bit about this yesterday, but I think you're going to, I just I can't not love this movie with all of my heart, and I don't really know why. But um, Noah Baumbach's uh, Mistress America—that's your number one. That's my number one. 
Okay, so I also watched that on the plane. Same trip. Oh man, you kind of maybe it's maybe it was the context in which you were watching it is why you didn't like it as much. Different reaction. Yeah. Anyway, um, why would you love it? It felt like he is one of those guys that makes a film for audiences and makes a film so that it can somewhat generate some like income for studios and stuff like doing a studio movie, even though his films aren't very studio ish, but you know, they're romantic comedies or they're comedies or whatever. Uh, like while we're young is a very generational comedy. Did you like that? Um, I loved it. Um, but at the same time it felt like very acceptable and like, uh, it felt like very, um, Ben Stiller. It felt very Ben Stiller ish. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, but this film, it felt like, Okay, I, it, if I'm kind of verbalizing what he was doing, almost it was like, okay, I did that. Now I want to make a film with my friends. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Now I want to make a film like I like, and it and it very much doesn't even feel like it matters if it totally, like if the shots are the best shot. If it doesn't even matter if it looks really really good, but it just like feels uh, like a film student, and that's something like really interesting to me that like. Like people at that state in their career or that level and like, uh, you know, with the filmography that you, that he has, you know, like that he's still trying to go back to like the simple way of making a film, you know? Yeah. I think he's just interested uh, in in something else. Not in his non-visual. Yeah. The, like the way that people talk in that film is, is uh, maybe I just hadn't seen it anywhere else. It, It felt like... Uh, genuine, and it felt like the first time that I'd you, seen. You people. felt like people talking in Mistress America was genuine. No, 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 not genuine in like what they were saying. Like the actors, that's what I'm saying. Like the actors and what they were saying almost didn't even matter. But it was like the way that they were saying them, and the direction behind like how they were saying it, and the way that the editing was paced. And, you that, know what I mean? That's like, what drove me the craziest. And I love Greta right. Gerwig, but I was just like, she, she achieved being. Um, obnoxious so well so quickly that I just yeah. couldn't handle <laughs> watching an entire movie with her that with yeah. that character in it. So I just yeah. kind of, it grated on my nerves to the point where I, I couldn't really enjoy it. Yeah. But I'm at the same time, I'm very indifferent about her. Like I didn't really care for Francis Ha and like, uh, Francis Ha on the other hand is amazing. Yeah. So like yeah, for some reason to me, it just like stuck with me. And I think it's one of those things that like, I don't, Probably doesn't it, it doesn't have an explanation, but we'll just leave it at that. So, okay. What is your number one? My number one, which is one we didn't even talk about, because I only saw it last night. Um, Meadowland. Ooh. You know, tell me why it's your number one. Um, man, talk about like an emotion. Again, this is like coming from a parent. So yeah. Um, but just having to imagine what my reaction would be in a situation like that. The basic premise is Olivia Wilde. Um, her son goes missing. Uh, yeah. And just the way that they like contrast how, uh, Luke Wilson, her, her husband in the movie, um, how they react to it. Um, how she processes it and the ending, man. It's just beautiful. I, I yeah. just, there are not many movies. I think the last time that I remember watching a movie and just kind of being left like silent was 12 years a slave. I watched that yeah. and it was just like, and obviously that's very different subject material and like totally different movie. But I felt that way when that movie ended, when I, when I saw it last night, I just felt like 
kind of in awe. Um, and again, I think it's just inspirational, you know, Reed Morano who directed it and shot it. Um, it just, again, hits that chord of being like, this is like achievable. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I had like super fortunate chance to talk to her before it came out. Like we were in New York doing an interview with her and a few other people, uh, for a documentary that we were making last year and, or this past year. And, um, and like, we didn't talk about Meadowland as much, but it was more like, uh, the surrounding like intentions behind Meadowland is what we talked about. Yeah. Um, and it was like super incredible to, and, but that's exactly how I felt was like the way that she's talking about it. Um, she f- still feels unsure about it, yeah. which is like, for me, I was like, man, so like what, what I took away from the conversation I talked and Ryan was DP in that project. So we talked about it in length because he's going through the whole thing of like, do I want to be a director or do I want to be a T- a DP? And he just asked her, he was like, can you do both? And she was like, well, I, I just did. It didn't seem like a, it didn't yeah, seem right. like a problem to me. I just did it. And, and it's not because, um, like I haven't found a partner or anything like that, but I was just like, I, I just wanted to do it and I th- felt like I could do it. And, um, and yeah, like knowing more about like, I mean, she, she just got through, um, you know, like uh, a lot of personal stuff with her family and like, she just got, uh, she's in remission from cancer and like all this stuff. And she's so like a lot of that I felt, it, 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 I'm, I'm lucky enough to like, I've talked to her, but like, um, it's infused in the movie. You can like, it's feel totally it. infused in the movie. You can't not see Reed Murano in her film and like verbally through a film, speaking about what she is thinking about on the inside, you know, like the fears that she has about losing her family or the fears that she has about maybe like the chance of like one of her sons going missing. You know what I mean? Like that is like, and I'm sure that's why you connected to it so much. Yeah. It's like a visceral fear. Like it's, it's one of like the most terrifying things you can imagine as a parent. Yeah. And so to see that play out on screen, like we talked about seeing things, obviously I would never like wish (laughs) to experience that, but that's kind of the power of movies I think is, experiencing something in like a controlled kind of, I say the word safe, but like, I guess like not real way, but like to be able to kind of um, experience it and, and live like vicariously through characters that are, I think that's why we want movies to be real, you know, like even like when you watch star Wars or whatever, there's like real humans or real like emotions that like you connect to. And I think with a movie like Meadowland, um, to be able to see Olivia Wilde portray like how I would imagine I would feel. Yeah. Um, if that were to actually happen to me, um, it's just something powerful about like, uh, like a situation like that and like the heightened emotions that you would feel and seeing them play out on screen. Um, I don't know. It's kind of magic. So that's my number one. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been, I can just review real quick. It's been, uh, it's been a pretty good year for, for movies. Um, you know, I think there's definitely been stronger years. There's been years like where I would really, um, have difficulty like filling up my top five because I have so many things that I want to put in there. I didn't have that problem as much this year. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, 
that was episode one. How do you think we did, Christian? That's a good meet and greet. And I'm excited about what we do next. I'm excited about what we get to do and the people we get to talk to. And uh, It's not bad for the first episode. The format may change a little bit. We don't really know yet. We're definitely going to bring in some some friends and um, try to interview some people and uh, try to change it up a bit. But yeah, I'm excited about what we do, what we get to do this uh, on this on this show. It's going to be good. Good. Nice. <laughs>music today was created by our good friend cubby listen to more of his stuff at cubbysounds.com that's cubby with two b's also our good podcast logo was created by eric Hurchin, another good friend and also maybe the nicest guy in the world so check out his stuff at erichurchin.com if you'd like to see the full list of me and jared's top picks of all time and this past year you can find everything you're looking for at goodthepodcast.com. the podcast.com